All right, shall we begin? Yes, let us begin. All right. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mumford and Other Observations with T.S. Russell and Bridget Gamboni. Today, we are very excited to be with you and to be talking about the very next song on the album Sign No More, which is called, drumroll. I gave you all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song. It's one of the scary songs. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, it's so rich with uh, imagery and literary illusions and pathos mm -hmm. and just intensity. It's great. It's a good song. It starts off real slow and then it builds up and gets mm -hmm. super intense and uh, it's... Uh, that's great. So we shall begin, as we always do, by having Bridget, who is with us once again. Hello. <laughs> Good to have you back. And, uh, yes, I'm sorry. I missed you past, past week. <laughs> it's all right. It was fun having Elizabeth on. Mm -hmm. She was a good co-host. But now that you're back, you can read off the lyrics for us. Yes. From, from the fancy booklet that came with the CD. <laughs> Yes, <clears throat> here we go. I gave you all. Rip the earth in two with your mind. Seal the urge which ensues with brass wires. I never meant you any harm, but your tears feel warm as they fall on my forearm. But close my eyes for a while. Force from the world a patient smile. How can you say that your truth is better than ours? Shoulder to shoulder, now brother, we carry no arms. The blind man sleeps in the doorway, his home. If only I had an enemy, bigger than my apathy, I could have won. But I gave you all. Close my eyes for a while, force from the world a patient smile. But I gave you all. But you rip it from my hands, and you swear it's all gone. And you rip it out, all I have just to say that you've won. Well, now you've won. Those last lines always make me feel like my heart mm -hmm. is being ripped out mm -hmm. when he sings them. It's so yeah. anguished. Yes. And mm -hmm. so distressed. Yeah. Yes. Deep groaning from within. Yes. Rumble thy belly full, mm -hmm. as Shakespeare would say. Mm -hmm. So, now that we have established the lyrics for the song, let's move into the No Fear Mumford translation, or the uh, Mumford and Sons in Plain English portion <laughs> of the show. So, this is not a song about romantic love, unlike a lot of their songs. It focuses more on filial love and fraternal love, or the lack thereof. So, the love that should be there between parent and child, the brother and brother, sister and sister, etc. Um, and a lot of that is because this play, or this song, is heavily influenced by the play King Lear by William Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And that play is all about love or lack of love between parent and sibling, brother and brother, sister and sister. There's not, uh, not much romance in the play. It's um, very much about family in other ways. Mm. So here, that's sort of the... Uh, little bit of the narrative context for the song, and then here's the, um, the plain English translation of the lyrics. Your mind is breaking as if ripped in two by an earthquake. 
but don't give in to the dark thoughts that are resulting from that break. I never meant to hurt you, but I must have, since you're weeping as I hold you. I try to forget everything for the moment and endure patiently. How can you say that your own interests are more important than our joint well-being? We once stood shoulder to shoulder as brothers in arms, but now we aren't ready for a fight. There's a blind man who has been cast out of society. If only I had cared more, then this never would have happened. But I gave everything to you, holding nothing back. I try to forget everything for the moment and endure patiently. But I gave everything to you, holding nothing back. You forcefully take what I give freely and use it all up. And you take everything from me just to trample over me. Now that you've ruined me, are you satisfied? Are you not entertained? <laughs> That's the lyrics. Um, I have a, I had a hard time with this particular song pinpointing who the speakers were exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe it changed multiple times, but I'm really not sure the um, the exact meaning of the overall song kind of escapes me, but the general meaning is pretty evident just in the short one-line chorus I gave you all. Mm -hmm. The speaker has given everything to somebody and been utterly betrayed, which we saw that foreshadowed in White Blank Page, where there was a similar situation happening, but here we just see the utter depths of misery that the soul undergoes after having been betrayed mm -hmm. by someone that they love. Um, and it's just, it's, it's heart-wrenching, which leads us into King Lear. So if you want to go ahead and read the, um, <clears throat> the summary of King Lear that we have here, <clears throat> so that we can introduce it. King Lear is one of Shakespeare's most heart-wrenching tragedies. The story of Lear, King of England, who divides up his kingdom among his daughters before he retires from kingship. Offended by his youngest daughter, he disowns and banishes her leaving the kingdom in the hands of his two eldest daughters. These two daughters despise him and each other, and each seeks to gain full possession of the throne. The youngest daughter, meanwhile, truly loves her father, a fact he realizes too late. The middle of the play finds King Lear on a heath in the midst of a frightful storm, driven almost to madness by the cruelty of his two eldest daughters. Yes, so it's a, it's, oh man, it's an absolutely dismal story, <laughs> um, full of backstabbing and betrayal from, from all sides, right? So Lear is betrayed by several people that he places trust in, and then he feels betrayed by other people who never betrayed him, and so he betrays them because he feels that they don't respect him. So, you know, he banishes his most trusted advisor, Kent, uh, at the beginning of the play, right after he banishes his most beloved daughter, Cordelia, mm -hmm. uh, simply because she was, she loved him too much to flatter him and, uh, and play along with this stupid little game that he set up when he was trying to divide the kingdom among his daughters. It's very, um, <laughs> talk about folly and fickleness mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. This, this play is very much about those themes. Right, Lear is very much, um, he makes a lot of mistakes and doesn't cope with them well and really is just like driven 
to to insanity by it in a really um, difficult to watch way and so in the middle of the play he's been rejected by his two oldest daughters that he gave everything to and he finds himself out on this withered heath in the middle of this horrible storm and the way that the elements are uh, interacting really reflects what's going on within his own soul and he has only a few only a handful of people who are still loyal to him with him at the time including his uh, his jester or or the fool um, who's faithful to Lear throughout the whole play and then uh, his advisor Kent that he banished at the beginning of the play comes back in disguise so that Lear doesn't recognize him hmm. but he's there he's still there to help King Lear through everything oh man I just have this like pit in my stomach every time I think about King Lear because it's so poignant and so so much pathos in this play like I get every time I read it or watch it I get so invested in it and in the characters and I always hold that hope that there's going to be some kind of happy ending um I won't tell you whether or not there is but uh it's uh, let's just say definitely not everything ends completely happily and there are some real tear jerkers along the journey right up until the very end let's dive in now to the line by line analysis we'll mostly be like i said i don't have a very clear idea of what story of like the narrative of the song itself like like i said i'm not really clear on who's speaking at which times so but i figured it would be helpful to just go through it and look at how each line relates to king lear to that play and see if that sheds any light on it for us and then also of course look at uh themes and language that are similar to other themes and language on this album in other songs so we'll start off with the first line rip the earth into with your mind so here we have basically somebody whose mind is falling apart and who is going through such mental agony and intense interior anguish that he feels like the world is ripping into that there's like an earthquake in his mind mm -hmm. basically the very beginning of the scene on the heath in king lear is lear just sort of ranting at the storm that's raging mm -hmm. all around him and like daring it to to rip the earth in two and swallow him up basically so i figured i would read that because it it just feels very similar in tone to the what's happening in this song. So this is Act 3, Scene 2. On the heath, there's a storm going on. Enter King Lear and his fool. And Lear says, Blow, winds, and crack your cheeks. Rage, blow, you cataracts and hurricanoes. Spout till you have drenched our steeples, drowned the cocks. You sulfurous and thought-executing fires. Vaunt couriers of oak-cleaving thunderbolts, singe my white head, and thou, all shaking thunder, strike flat the thick rotundity of the world, crack nature's molds, all germains spill at once that makes ingrateful man. And then the fool butts in with uh, some kind of joke trying to distract him, but Lear just keeps ranting on, and he says, Rumble thy belly full, spit fire, spout rain, nor rain, wind, thunder, fire are my daughters. I tax not you, you elements, with unkindness. 
I never gave you kingdom, called you children. You owe me no subscription. Then let fall your horrible pleasure. So he's really just caught up with the fact that his daughters have betrayed him. He's almost grateful for this terrible storm that's happening because he doesn't feel like it's personal. Right? It's just mm -hmm. something that the elements are doing. He doesn't care about that because these elements trying to, you know, trying to kill him basically aren't, they don't owe him anything. They're not his children. They haven't betrayed him the way that mm -hmm. his daughters have. So that's just a sort of characteristic of Lear throughout the play is that he just, he just can't shake. He spends the whole play trying to distract himself from the fact that he's been betrayed. And he, um, he doesn't want to come to terms with it. But he keeps finding himself just sort of rolling in the misery of it anyway. And that's uh, sort of where the, the madness starts to come from. A little later in the next scene, he compares, he compares what's going on in his mind to what's going on outside with the storm. He says, the tempest in my mind doth from my senses take all feeling else save what beats there. So he's basically saying that there is this storm going on in my mind, which sounds a lot like what Mumford and Sons is saying when they say rip the earth in two with your mind. That's that first line's connection to King Lear. Is it's, uh, it's very much modeled after Lear's own um, inner turmoil. And then also I found it interesting that the word mind is mentioned in this line because the word that word comes up multiple times on the album, it comes up in the cave, in this song, and then also in Tim Shell, Thistle and Weeds, Dust Bowl Dance, After the Storm. Not entirely sure what all the connections are there, but uh, there's definitely a theme of the misaligned mind. You know, in uh, Dust Bowl Dance in particular, it talks about how he wants to align his heart and body and mind so the mind is definitely a theme on this album as well. The next line in the song is seal the urge which ensues with brass wires. So it's basically saying tie up with brass wires, tie up the urge that ensues from this earthquake that's in your mind. Whatever you're prompt, you feel prompted to do because of that earthquake in your mind, don't do it. Restrain yourself from that. So it's not entirely clear what that urge is. It's just sort of hinted at. So it could be you know, anything from madness or suicide or some type of self-harm or revenge or something like that. But uh, I think it's pretty evident that whatever that urge is, it isn't good. And so it's basically saying, don't let this uh, mental turmoil mm -hmm. that you're experiencing, don't let it do any harm to you. Don't let it don't let it define who you are or what you do. Rational part of the the mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trying to tame the emotional side, the unbridled tendencies, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. No, that's that's an interesting point actually, that this could be something of a dialogue between mm -hmm. the between two parts of someone's soul. That this, this might be like an inner dialogue, right, mm -hmm. between a man and his conscience, or, or something like that. It might not be, strictly speaking, 
two human beings speaking to each other. Although I think I think it is at some parts, yeah. but anyway, we'll we'll see more <laughs> about that because in the in the next line, he says, "I never meant you any harm." So that sounds more like an apology you make to another person than you do to your inner self. This is another apology, <laughs> similar, harkening back to the Sign No More song mm-hmm. when uh, he said, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know me, yeah. etc. This is setting up the injustice of the betrayal, right? That I never meant you any harm, uh, but you betrayed me. Because um, the next line then says, but your tears feel warm as they fall on my forearm. So mm. I never meant to hurt you, but you're weeping now as I'm holding you. So I must have hurt you in some way. These lines here seem to, the the closest parallel that I could draw between these lines and King Lear is uh, when King Lear does reunite with his daughter, his youngest daughter, Cordelia, towards the end of the play. The one that he thought had betrayed him and so he banished, but she had really loved him the whole time. She's so overcome with emotion when they're reunited that she starts weeping. These lines here, I never meant you any harm, but your tears feel warm as they fall on my forearm. Those could be lines spoken from Lear to Cordelia Mm. during that scene. Mm. That image of weeping and tears shows up in several other songs, uh, namely in The Cave, where it says, um, I can see widows and orphans through my tears. Mm-hmm. So those are um, tears of repentance, I think, in that song. Yeah. And then also in Little Lion Man, where it says, weep for yourself, my man. You'll never be what is in your heart. Weep, little lion man. You're not as brave as you were at the start. And uh, that's a much more... Um, accusatory mm-hmm. sense yeah like demanding that you weep but the tears themselves that it's demanding could also be tears of repentance mm-hmm. i'm thinking of after the storm too yes yes i was just love about to bring not... that up oh, okay love will not break your heart right yeah. so there will come a time you'll see with no more tears yeah no more tears and love will not break mm-hmm. your heart but dismiss your fears yeah. <laughs> so you know definitely calls to mind the uh the line in the salve regina or the hail holy queen right mm. mourning and weeping in this valley of tears there's definitely a a sense in in these songs of being in this valley of tears that uh life on earth as job says is not man's life on earth a drudgery yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's so much pain and suffering here that oftentimes we just we find ourselves weeping Speaking of eyes, which is where tears come from, the next line is, but close my eyes for a while, forced from the world a patient smile. Here the speaker is saying, I'm going to try to just close my eyes and not look at what's going on and just forget about everything for a while. And force from the world a patient smile. So just, you know, put on a brave face, smile, pretend that I'm not, uh, not as anguished as I am. This idea is definitely a theme in King Lear. Mm-hmm. There's a very much um, a theme of willful blindness in that play, where characters refuse to see the truth that's right in front of them and instead focus on something else that seems easier for them to swallow. 
like I said, Lear spends most of the play trying not to deal with his the betrayal that he's going through. He says uh, lines like, I will be the pattern of all patience, I will say nothing. He claims time and again in the play to be very patient, even though he's demonstrating impatience all the time, <laughs> right, by his outbursts of insanity and banishing Cordelia and Kent at the beginning of the play and just, you know, getting super upset and angry with people on the turn of a dime. He's trying to be patient, right? He's trying to put on that force from that from the world of patient smile, but it's not it's not very effective. But then also this idea of willful blindness that he's just he tries to ignore what's going on. You know, he refuses to see the goodness of Kent and Cordelia, and also and he refuses to see the wickedness of his older two daughters and how they're just pandering to him at the beginning of the play until they get what they want, at which point they treat him like trash. And then he's sort of forced to see the evil that's in them. Lear also fails to recognize his uh, faithful servant Kent, whom he had banished, who shows up again in disguise. Lear. Mm -hmm. you, you would think that if Lear knew this guy <laughs> for his whole life, he might recognize him if he shows up again, but he doesn't. Uh, Lear is not very good at recognizing things or, mm -hmm. or people. Mm -hmm. There's another character, Gloucester, who encounters his own son, whom he had banished mistakenly believing that, that he had done something wrong. So there's a lot of you know, a lot of that going around, going around in this play. But uh, Gloucester encounters his own son when his son is in disguise and doesn't recognize him. And actually, at a certain point in the play, Gloucester himself has his eyes gouged out and literally goes blind. Even before he literally goes blind, he doesn't recognize his son hmm. when he encounters him. He also fails to recognize the fact that his son would never betray him. He ought to have realized that that son was much more trustworthy than his uh, his other son, who is a, a, uh, a bastard child and is very conniving and manipulative and tricks his father into thinking that, that the uh, natural-born son had betrayed him. Mm. So he, uh, Gloucester ought to have recognized the fact that Edgar was... Edgar is trustworthy and Edmund isn't, hmm. and that he shouldn't shouldn't turn against Edgar, but uh, fails to recognize that, and gets punished for it hmm. later in the play by having his eyes gouged out. This uh, connects to the idea a few lines later in the song about the blind man, where he says the blind man sleeps in the doorway, his home. When, when Gloucester has his eyes gouged out, that takes place in his own home. And then also, uh, so a large inspiration for King Lear was uh, the play Oedipus Rex by Sophocles, mm -hmm. which is a, an ancient Greek tragedy, one of the oldest plays that we have. And um, that's all about a man who tries to run from his fate and ends up by running away from it ends up fulfilling it unknowingly and there's a whole there's a whole theme in that play of willful blindness and not not being willing to see what's right in front of you and then lots of connections we don't i don't want to get too deep into oedipus rex because it's not entirely topical <laughs> but insofar as it was 
a large inspiration for King Lear and a lot of the same themes show mm -hmm. up in that that play as they do in King Lear. You know, the scene with blindness, Oedipus himself gouges out his eyes towards the end of the play and uh, like similar to how Gloucester loses his sight in King Lear. Okay, so then another connection with Oedipus Rex is in the sequel to Oedipus Rex called Oedipus at Colonus, we've, we've, we see Oedipus who is, um, as an old man, who is wandering the world um, alone and friendless except for his two daughters who are faithful to him. So those daughters are very, they have a lot of similarities to Cordelia, also to Kent and the Fool who are faithful to, um, to Lear when nobody else is. It has a very similar feel to it. Mm -hmm. Oedipus and does. Mm -hmm. uh, even though that, that play is actually a lot more hope-filled mm -hmm. than King Lear. <laughs> but still, there are a lot, a lot of similarities there. The next line is, how can you say that your truth is better than ours? This character in the song who is feeling betrayed is saying to the person who betrayed him, he's saying, how can you say that what you want is more important than what you and I want together. How can you put yourself before both of us? Um, so it's just another another way of putting what that betrayal was, right? It was somebody somebody that this person loved choosing to put their own interests above mm -hmm. the interests of, of the people who loved them. It's just it's an interesting way of putting it, right? To say that your truth is better than ours. Um, Leave it to Mumford and Sons to say something fairly basic in kind uh -huh. of a, <laughs> a, an obscure, esoteric way. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting that they do it by using the word truth because that brings in, brings back all of the ideas of truth that we've seen in the album and we'll see going forward, like in the cave where he said, let me at the truth, which will refresh my broken mind. And um, particularly reminiscent of White Blank Page, where he said, lead me to the truth and I will follow you with my whole life. Mm -hmm. Recognition of objective truth. Mm -hmm. How can you say there's some truth that is better than another truth? That's kind of how I hear it or you know, what I'm thinking of. Right, yeah. Yeah, in the other songs, they're, they're referring to the truth. And now here we're seeing personal pronouns being applied to truth, mm -hmm. right? Your truth, our truth. There's a, a war going on between truths. Mm -hmm. And so what we, what we need to prioritize then is the truth that, or well, I guess just the truth, mm -hmm. right? Um, which in one sense would be Christ, as he is the way, the truth, and the life, as we saw in White Blank Page, but then also just the, the truth that will set you free, right? That will refresh your broken mind. Um, that's not a truth that's going to hurt other people. That's mm -hmm. a truth that is is there for everybody. Mm -hmm. But then truth shows up also in Awake My Soul, where he says, I struggle to find any truth in your lies. <laughs> which, mm. uh, yeah, I guess that's that's a fairly, fairly straightforward yeah. use of the word truth. But then also in After the Storm, now I cling to what I knew. I saw exactly what was true, but oh, no more. Mm, that's that's why I hold. 
well, maybe we should just talk more about that when we get to mm -hmm. after the storm, because that's a pretty pivotal use of the word true there. And I think it's, uh, that's going to require a little bit more unpacking than we can do on, mm -hmm. on this song, this, on this, uh, episode, which mm -hmm. is about a different song. Mm -hmm. The next line is shoulder to shoulder. Now brother, we carry no arms. It's a little bit twisting of the phrase brother in arms, speaking to the person who's betrayed him and saying, we used to stand shoulder to shoulder. We used to be brothers in arms. We used to be fighting, I guess you could say fighting the good fight together. Mm -hmm. But now we carry no arms. Now we're not supposed to be at war. And yet here we are with you betraying me even though I gave you all. And uh, the only other place on the album where the term brother comes up is Tim Shell, which we'll get yeah. to in a couple of songs. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's a song about love between brothers and their sister. Mm -hmm. But just the, the word brother in this song, in terms of how that relates to King Lear, you've got Edmund and Edgar, uh, Gloucester's sons, who, like I said, one is a bastard, one is natural born, and they, they're they very much at odds with each other, right? They're at war trying to, uh, you know, Edmund is the, the wicked one who's trying to usurp Edgar's rightful place and uh, even eventually has his eyes on the throne and ends up getting manipulated by King Lear's daughters. It's a big mess, <laughs> um, but there's definitely fraternal war going on there. You know, there's more fraternal war going on between Lear's own daughters that they're they're taking up arms against each other as well and mm -hmm. uh, vying with one another for the throne. And then the next line then is the blind man sleeps in the doorway, his home. I don't know, this, this line is a little bit hard to decipher narratively but uh basically it's i think i think it's just it's just an image that's thrown in there to enhance the tone of the song i guess you've got this blind man who's sleeping in a doorway and that doorway is his home he doesn't have a house he just sleeps in other people's doorways mm -hmm. and so he's you know cast out from normal company he's living on the very fringes of society which again is what ends up happening with Lear when he's out on the heath. He's not welcome in his own daughter's homes and he's just out there on the heath. He ends up spending the night in a hovel with a mad, a mad man mm. and it's, uh, it's a very bleak scenario. But it, again, of course, there's that idea of, of blindness. So mm -hmm. earlier we saw close my eyes for a while which was willful blindness and now we have actual an actual blind man here very similar to how in King Lear there's a lot of willful blindness before and then eventually Gloucester has his eyes gouged out and becomes physically blind and then if only I had an enemy bigger than my apathy I could have won hmm. so that line is basically saying if only I had cared more then things would have been better but the next line 
his, but I gave you all. So he's saying, how could I have cared more than mm -hmm. I cared because I gave everything mm -hmm. to you. And I gave you all is a direct line from King Lear, which mm -hmm. is what initially tipped me off to the King, King Lear's connections with this song. Actually, it was somebody, it was a random Mumford & Sons blog post that I found on the internet. Okay. Somebody pointed out that, that, that the line I gave you all comes directly from Lear. Hmm. And so it's spoken by King Lear to his daughters, Goneril and Regan, for the, hmm. the older, older daughters, the ones who betrayed him. Um, he says it to them uh, right after they've broken their oaths of hospitality and they're, they've started to treat him like a spoiled child. So he's referring to the fact that he divided his kingdom between them, right? He was king of all of Britain. He gave it to them. He asked only that he be allowed to stay at their houses with a retinue of knights and trade, you know, trade off between the two houses every, every month or something like that. So that was all he asked for in return, in return for giving them everything that he had, handing over control of his kingdom to them. This is a phrase then that he repeats multiple times during the during the play, right? He referred on the heath. Um, he's his daughters aren't there, but he's just sort of railing at them. And he refers to himself as your kind old father, whose frank heart gave you all. And then when he runs into another madman on the heath, Lear commiserates with him and ascribes his own misfortunes to to the, the other madman, um, basically assuming that that man must have also had daughters that he gave everything to who betrayed him. He says to that man, didst thou give them all? So this, this phrase of giving you all shows up at least three times mm. in the play from what I could see. Like I said, that was what tipped me off in the first place that this is, um, that this play is very much about King Lear. Mm -hmm. Um, and you had a you had a point about that before we started recording. Right? Yes, how it, it seems like this is just Mumford directly addressing this play. Obviously for some reason this was very personal to to the writers of the song. Um, but it just fits so well. Uh it seems to line up so well that it seems like it's just Mumford uh offering an extension of the play, mm -hmm. offering a, a perspective of King Lair um, and other people involved. Um, but the question is why? You know, why is why is this story so meaningful? In terms of the album, it fits so well on it, particularly mm -hmm. in this place in the album. Yeah. Right after we had that bitter betrayal with White Blank Page. Mm -hmm. This is sort of you know what you go through afterwards after a betrayal like that mm -hmm. is you sort of like rack your rack your brains trying to figure out trying to reconcile with the fact that you gave everything to somebody mm -hmm. but they just ripped it from your hands and swore it was all gone etc mm -hmm. it's such a universal experience mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so and it's just, it's hard to see. Yeah. Hard to watch someone go through that. Yeah. You know, I've definitely 
gone through thing, things similar to this in my own life mm-hmm. where I you know, showed a lot of devotion to somebody, you know, either in a romantic sense or, or not. And just, you know, could be friendship or like near familial mm-hmm. relationship. And then you just feel like the other person was uncharacteristically vindictive and mm-hmm. just took everything away from you. Yeah. Obviously I've never experience it to the same extent that King Lear does but the reason that plays like King Lear that stories like that resonate so much with us is because when we go through bad experiences they feel so much more intense than than they really seem like they ought to be when we mm-hmm. reflect back on them mm-hmm. we're like man that was just that was just a, a small chapter of my life but I felt like the world was just crumbling all around me. Yeah. Like I was ripping the earth in two with my mind. Mm-hmm. So experiences like that that we have in our normal lives are microcosms of the of the human condition. Mm-hmm. Of that we find ourselves at odds with other human beings, somehow in particular with the ones that we really thought ought to have loved us the most. Mm-hmm. It's just making me think now about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, how Jesus was betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that experience. Just that human, yeah, the human condition, fallen state of human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, how that betrayal can be so consuming. Um, like you said, earth shattering. And, and how it can take so much from us to process that and to work through that and to come to a place of reconciliation and um, it's certainly a pit to be in and we know from the from the sino more song at the very beginning of the album that this is a universal thing with humanity right that everybody mm-hmm. goes through this and um like you said the state of fallen humanity and that song tells us that love will not betray us, <laughs> dismay, or enslave us yeah. the way that other people do. And love will set us free to be more like the man we were made to be. And so we know what the answer is to the situation, <laughs> right? We know yes. the answer is love. Yes. But we don't, as we're seeing as we progress through this album, it's very. it can be very difficult to figure out how to live that out practically. Yeah. or what that love really looks like mm-hmm. you know we end up looking for it in, uh, in shadowy versions of it yeah yeah, yeah mourning be- and weeping in this valley of tears mm-hmm. and yeah and to believe that that love actually exists yeah i think is the other challenge yes <laughs> when you go through something like king lear goes through or like the speaker is going through in this song it's just so hard to close your eyes to it and to to recognize that that we can find strength and pain and mm-hmm. change our ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's it's there's definitely a dark night of the soul going on in this song yep yeah this this song always feels like the the, the low lowest point of the album Not really. I feel like this alone weeds is lower okay usually. yeah yeah okay I could see that too but maybe not. Maybe 
because that, that one has a little more hope in it. This one doesn't really have any hope. It's just yeah. This is just very dismal. Mm -hmm. As these next lines really emphasize, where he says, "But you rip it from my hands, and you swear it's all gone." And you rip out all I have just to say that you've won. Mm -hmm. Well, now you've won. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, the way he sings these lines just makes you feel like your own heart is being ripped mm -hmm. out. That contrast between giving everything to somebody and then that person taking everything from you mm -hmm. forcefully. Which is ironic because you were giving everything, mm -hmm. and yet that person felt the need to take it from you. Yeah. To rip it out of your hands. Yeah. And to say that you have nothing left to give them. Yeah, grasping. Yeah. It's forcefully grasping evokes a, a different image mm -hmm. <laughs> than just somebody passively receiving and the difference there of the person's heart that is taking versus receiving. You know, we saw with um, Theology of the Body that there's a very important theme in there of being receptive to mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. and so <laughs> that's definitely not the case in this song right mm -hmm. love is being offered freely and yet we feel the need to take it force to rip it out yeah. and that i find it interesting that the word rip shows up here again mm -hmm. because that was the first line of the song where he said rip the mm -hmm. earth in two with your mind so he's drawing a connection there between between you know having it ripped out of your hands and the mental turmoil that occurs because of that mm -hmm. like that's what rips the earth and two in your mind is when somebody rips rips things out of your hands mm -hmm. and claims that you have nothing left to give them and rips out all you have just to say that they've won which is that, that terminology, right, that you've won, it recalls the earlier image of when he said, uh, now brother, we carry no arms. How he's talking about how we're not supposed to be in conflict with each other mm -hmm. at this time. But this person who is having everything offered to them and then just trying to, trying to take it for themselves has very much the wrong understanding of what's going on. That person thinks that this is some kind of war or game that they have to win. The whole terminology of winning or losing, that's not what it's supposed to be about here. Mm -hmm. And yet that's the way that this that this person is seeing it. So well, well now you've won and I hope mm -hmm. that makes you happy. Right? Mm -hmm. Are you satisfied now? Mm -hmm. Now you've won, you've destroyed me, you've taken everything that I have. So are you happy now? And of course, there's the idea that God gives everything to us. Yeah. He, he loved the so loved the world that he even gave his only son mm -hmm. to us. And what did we do? We killed him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, does that make us happy? Does that uh, satisfy us that we, we had to go had to go and kill God? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is how God even uses that, our viciousness, <laughs> mm -hmm. to bring about salvation of the world. That doesn't really show up in this song. Yeah. In this song, it's yeah. just all <laughs> the, yes. the 
The darkness. The darkness. Mm -hmm. yeah. Darkness visible, you might yeah. say. Yeah, the, the Good Friday and the, the Holy Saturday. Well, that's the end of the song. And so I guess it's uh, it's time to talk about what we've learned today. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think we, during the, the latter part of the discussion, we really summed up pretty well what the... Um, what this song's connections are to the rest of the album and to human nature, which is just that it's hard to hard to recognize what love looks like in in the dark night of the soul. It's hard to remember that love is going to be what's mm -hmm. going to set us free mm -hmm. because we thought we found love, but it turned out that it wasn't reciprocated. We also know that we have, as human beings, we have a tendency to think that we need to engage in some kind of war or game in order to win mm -hmm. um, love or salvation or what or absolution or whatever it is um, and that we don't we don't receive things well when they're offered to us mm -hmm. that we we think we have to rip it from his hands and swear it's all gone man's life on earth is a drudgery mm -hmm. as job would say mm -hmm. And we are mourning and weeping in this, in this valley of tears. But the most important lesson that we've learned here is when you are the king of Britain and the time has come for you to divide your kingdom between your daughters, just go, <laughs> don't flip out and banish the only daughter who actually cares about you and <laughs> leave things in the hands of two horrible women who hate each other and hate you. And, and everything will be okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so next time you find yourself in that situation, you know what to do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> valuable yes. lesson. Very, very valuable <laughs> lesson. So, all right. Any, any closing thoughts on King Lear? Um, um, no. I, I gave you all. I, um, I'm wanting to read it slash watch it. You'd suggested one film? or Yeah, with uh, Ian McKellen okay. as King Lear. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. It's not flawless. It's not Mel Gibson's Hamlet, but it's uh, it's very good. It's mm -hmm. the only King Lear version that I've actually seen. Okay. So there might be other better ones out there, but mm -hmm. that's the one I know, and I I enjoyed it a lot when I saw it. Mm -hmm. But it's also it's uh, it's a great read. Yes. Yeah. So if you ever feel like having a good cry, oh. <laughs> just uh, yeah. Curl mm. up with a cup of tea and read King Lear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely mm -hmm. gonna add it to my list. All right. Well, <laughs> we uh, we are halfway through. Halfway through the album now. Oh my gosh, six more to go. Super psyched about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, next week is uh, Little Lion Man, isn't it? I believe so. All right. Yeah. So that'll be uh, that's that's quite the one to kick off our second half of the album with. Yep, Lion Man. Awesome. So, can't wait. This has been a great journey so far, and I can't yes. wait to get into the second half and, and wrap yeah. it up. Woohoo! It'll be great. This is where where I get more, more excited. Just the about songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do. They do arguably just get better yeah. from here on out. Mm -hmm. There's some really really great ones coming up in the second half. So, mm -hmm. soup's excited. <laughs> can't wait so thank you for watching and or listening to this podcast thanks for joining us 
As always, it's a production of The Flight House, so you can check us out at buymeacoffee.com slash theflighthouse. We, uh, we have a new video up on our homepage there that uh, serves as a nice little introduction to The Flight House and to everything that we're doing, so go check that out. And uh, until next time, we are T.S. Russell and Bridget Gamboni reminding you to sign no more. more.